It is the MLB draft day. And consider this a warning. Beware of drafts in years that end in three. You are locked on MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Lockdown MLB, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am yours, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. There's my lower third on me. I'm an Emmy nominated. I almost call myself an Emmy winning producer. That would be disgenuous to the people who beat me. But I am an Emmy nominated television producer who has been a baseball podcaster for over a decade. It's my fifth full season here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. And by the way, in case you're wondering, you should download the Game Time app because this episode is brought to you by Game Time. Create an account and use the code Lockdown MLB for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price, they're guaranteed. At game time, follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter, as long as we still have Twitter and Instagram. Uh, my personal Twitter handle is Sully Baseball. Use it while you still can. Oh, God, they said, Yo, go to Mastodon, go to Thread. You can also follow me on Instagram at Lockdown MLB Pods. Um, I'm still using the same computer setup, and I'm going to tell you why. I, if you listen to the show that dropped on Sunday, where I talked about the combined no-no and everything like that, uh, full disclosure, I'm recording this pretty soon after that. The reason, um, first of all, my Sunday is going to be absolutely jam-packed. I am not going to be able to record a new show on Sunday. However, I'm still going to make sure you have a brand new show on when you put your earbuds in on Monday. If you want to get the highlights and everything that goes on, just check out this feed where we do our, you know, our daily updates every day and all the people contribute, all the different Lockdown LB hosts tell you what happened. The all-star break is here. Uh, you know, the, I don't know what's going to, did, did the Rays finally get off the schneid? Because they're falling fast. Remember when they were running away with the American League East and it was just presumed they're going to win 110 games and suddenly the Orioles are right on their tail. You know, I mean, it's it's some of the teams that look like they were just had gigantic leads are, are, are suddenly vulnerable. Except the Atlanta Braves who look like they're just going to say, wow, this is uh, the, the simplicity of this game amuses me. Um, but inevitably, there is going to be a team in the second half who is going to catch fire. It is going to do something that, you know, a a name is going to be, a a hero is going to emerge. And someone is going to stake a claim this October who we were not talking about at the All-Star break. Last year was the coming out party in the postseason for Bryce Harper. He slugged the Phillies to within two wins of winning the World Series, but it was Fran Valdez and freaking Jeremy Pena who took over October. By the way, I want to apologize for one thing that happened yesterday. I coughed right in the microphone, and I apologize. I, 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 that, that, that was unprofessional of me. Um, but... The all-star break is here, but there's also the draft is going on. Now, I'm going to 
promote another Lockdown Podcast show, a friend of the show, Lindsey Crosby. This is his Christmas. He is the host of Lockdown MLB Prospects, which is a fabulous show, especially if you want to, you know, do a deep dive on all sorts of things in terms of the MLB draft. They have, uh, they're doing live look-ins. They're doing, go check out Lockdown MLB uh, Prospects and, or they're at Lockdown Farm on Twitter. Uh, they're going to be doing some great stuff. And let me tell you something. They know so much more than me. So if you want to talk about that, please go listen to that show. I mean, after you listen to this one, please, please. I need the downloads. And hopefully we're going to have some fun talks about it. Here, here's the deal. There's going to be a lot of names that are coming up. Paul, is it Skeens? Skeens? I've never said his name out loud until just now. Big star at LSU. In fact, two stars from LSU may go one and two. The Pirates have the number one pick. Paul Skeens is the, is the, the best pitcher available. And then Dylan Cruz is the best outfielder available. Boy, they're doing something at LSU. Uh, one's going to go to the Pirates. One's going to go to the Nats. Who knows which one it will be? Uh, the Tigers, uh, who combined for a no-hitter on Saturday. Uh, who they're going to draft. Is it White Langford? Is it going to be Walker Jenkins? You know, the Rangers have a pick. Uh, the Twins have an early pick. They may go for a high school outfielder. Who knows? The A's, whether they're going to be in Oakland or Las Vegas, who knows? They may be picking the first Las Vegas homegrown star um, coming up there. Um, you know, some names, there are going to be names who, if I start to say Jacob Gonzalez of Mississippi, if I'm going to say Braden Taylor of TCU, uh, Arjun Namala, I don't know. Is that how you pronounce his name? From Strawberry Crest. Let me take you down to Strawberry Crest in Florida. Who knows? Who knows who some of, some of these names? Matt Shaw from Maryland. Tommy Troy. How did Tommy Troy not go to USC? He's at Stanford. Some people project him to go to the Red Sox. I would love for Tommy Troy of Stanford. But do you want, I don't know who some of these names are going to be. Some of these names may be household names. Some of them may not be. That's the thing about the MLB draft. And if you take a look, sometimes you have great drafts. Sometimes you have phenomenal drafts, lots of tremendous talent. And sometimes you have some clunkers. And there have been a lot of articles and things like that written about the 2013 draft 10 years ago and Mark Appel of the was the number one overall pick from Stanford to the Astros and he never played for the Astros in fact he only played six games in the majors and that was after a long hiatus can you imagine if the Astros didn't whiff on the number one pick in 2013 as they were building their World Series champion and they could have added a big superstar instead. But the thing about that draft is it wasn't filled with big superstars. The number, you know, okay, Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge went number 32 to the Yankees. Imagine if Aaron Judge was on the Astros during those times. I don't know. Chris Bryant went number two. He turned out to be pretty good. And Tim Anderson and John Gray. And, you know, Hunter Renfro and J.P. Crawford have been fine. You know, but like you go down the line that like there's not been there weren't a lot of huge players in that. And then you saw like Cole Stewart, Clint Frazier, whose career was derailed by the Yankees, Colin Moran. The Red Sox had the number seven overall pick and they drafted Trey Ball, another phenomenal name. And he never he never panned out. He never made it to the major leagues. In fact, if you look at that first round. I mean, the number of players who became 
everyday major leaguers. Now, the, the Mariners have the number 12 pick. He never saw a day in the major leagues. Uh, it was DJ Peterson. Chris Anderson and the Dodgers never made it to the major leagues. Jonathan Crawford of the Tigers never made it to the major leagues. It was filled with the, you know, the, the Chichi Gonzalez's and the Hunter Harvey's and the, you know, Rob Kaminsky's and the Jason Hirsch's of the world. Again, all of these are players who are obviously talented. They're first round draft picks. And some of them got to say, if you get to play one game in the major leagues, you're obviously a tremendous talent, but it wasn't like it was a, you know, the number of legit stars in that first round, Judge, Bryant, uh, I'll say Anderson, because he had some tremendous years, and John Gray, four. You know, you get to that second round of that very draft. Uh, you did get, uh, you know, Ryan McMahon turned into a fine player. But, you know, you got in, in two rounds of that draft, you have three legit all-stars. You know, in the third round of that draft, you know, you know the Tyler, you know the Tyler O'Neills of the world got in there, um, and you got all the Cody Bellinger. There, there. I mean, Cody Bellinger, who you know wound up winning a uh, uh, an MVP for goodness sakes, was a fourth round pick, 124th overall. Nick Pavetta and Isaiah Kanafalefa also became major leagues. But what I'm saying is, is that that draft, even if you had an early pick. That you there was a lot of swings and misses, and I started thinking, well, all right, how, how rare is that? So I went ten years back before that, and that brings us to the two thousand and three draft, which the number one overall pick in that draft was Delman Young. Now again, no offense to Delman Young, and you know he had a you know he had a very good postseason for the Tigers that one year. But, you know, Nick Markakis and Adam Jones were the two biggest stars out of that first round. And there was a big drop-off after that. You know, Aaron Hill, John Danks are fine players. I mean, again, Carlos Quentin had a couple of very good years. So did Jared Saltalamacchia. But, you know, there's not a lot of stars came out of that. You know, in the second round, who was the biggest star out of that second round? Biggest star of the second round? Yeah, Andre Ethier. Nice career. Not bad for a 62 overall pick that the A's dumbly traded away, you know. But, you know, you go down the line. You know, is Sean Markham your biggest name in there? You know, you know, the Red Sox stole Jonathan Papelbon in the fourth round, but you have an entire draft which is not filled with big stars. And that brings back to 10 years before that. Now, the in 1993... The number one overall pick was A Rod. Tough to argue with that one. But after that, after A Rod, Darren Dreifert, again, made the major leagues fine, but didn't really light anything up. Brian Anderson, Wayne Gomes, Jeff Granger, Steve Soderstrom. Okay, you got Trot Nixon at number seven, followed by Kirk Presley and Matt Brunson, two guys who never made it to the majors. A-Rod obviously was the star of that draft, and Tory Hunter and Chris Lee and Chris Carpenter all, and Billy Wagner and Jason Varitek. Yeah, good players all came out of there. But, man, was there a drop-off. If you had, if you didn't land A-Rod, where were you landed? Of course, you could have landed Scott Rowland. Oh, Hall of Famer was sitting there in the second round, you know, and, you know, Matt Clement, an all-star, was in the third round. 
this is, by the way, when you point out the fact that someone like um, Aaron Judge was available at the pick number 32, or you have a Hall of Famer like Scott Rowland, who was available in the second round, or of course, Mike Trout, who was like, what, the 23rd, 24th pick in that draft. It spits in the face of some of the claims of someone like Michael Kay, who said like the Yankees, in order to get a big star, like the Adley Rutschmans and the Connor Hendersons, who've been, who smacked them around at Yankee Stadium a few days ago. No, you got a tank to get them. No, you don't. You got to find those diamonds in the rough. But beware. Beware of drafts, the years that end in three, because they are no guarantee for a big-time star to join your team. Hey, I'm going to be getting some tickets to see the Giants play the Red Sox in a couple of weeks over at Oracle Park. And I'm telling you what we're going to use. I am going to use game time because I want no stress. and I want to know where I'm going to. And using the game time app is the easiest way to do it. It's fast, easy. You want not just for ball games. You're going to go to comedy, music, sports, whatever you want. Theater, boom. Hamilton, I bet you can get tickets for them. Don't quote me on that. Uh, you got killer deals on last-minute tickets. Best price guarantee you could stop stressing over tickets. Start getting hyped for the fun you're going to have. And you have things like the flash deals, last-minute tickets, easy-to-buy tickets. You get the images of your seat and... With a game time guarantee, you'll always have the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. So here's what you got to do for those tickets. Boop, boop, boop. Couple of bo- couple of hits there. Get to see the view of the seat, and it goes right to your phone. You don't have to dig through your emails anymore. Download the game time app create an account and use code locked on mlb for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem the code locked on mlb for twenty dollars off download the game time app today last minute tickets lowest price you want that's guaranteed i can't help but wonder if the draft is even useful anymore because if we're, you know, if it's all about money slotting and everything like that, then, I, you know, the, then making that pick, shouldn't you just be out negotiating with players? You, you hear it all the time of, well, this guy's the best available player, but this team is going to probably not pick him with the first overall pick because they're going to use the slot money for lap, for lap, for lap. There's all this sort of, you know, tomfoolery and, and lollygagging going around. So the whole purpose of the draft was to make sure teams that were bad weren't going to stay bad forever. But if you're a team, if you're finding that you can get diamonds in the rough all over the place and you're not going to draft the best talent necessarily because you have more slotted money for this or more slotted money for that, then, you know, then, then what does the draft really mean? And of course, if you want to get players, it was not an international draft. So if you want to go sign a player from a, from a foreign country, you want to go to the Dominican Republic, you want to go to Venezuela, you want to, you know, if you want to, uh, you want to bring in the best players from Japan, you want to go around the world and get best player from Mexico. You know, you're not going to draft them; you recruit them. And some, then, of course, there's been 
a lot of shadiness sometimes when it comes down to some of that. But I, I can't help but wonder if, if, if it's not doing its job, if it doesn't necessarily mean players are the best player available are, are being drafted based upon their needs, based upon this is the best player, we are the worst record, we're going to draft the best player available. Well, we're actually going to slot this, that, and that. Then what you do is you say you get X number of dollars to sign your players, and then you go out and you negotiate. I mean, is, wouldn't that be a better way to do it? Because some you never know. There may be a situation where you draft a player and you're the wrong organization for them, not just in terms of whether or not you're 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 a good team last year, but what if the coaches and the staff of one team are a better fit for you? Kind of like how they do that in you know in the college sports. You know, say, hey, look at I know you got this and this. Our coaches will take care of you for this and this. Instead of, well, I got drafted by the Phillies. I wonder how many prospects don't pan out. I just listed off a whole bunch of names that unless you're related to them or you're Lindsey Crosby, chances are you don't know some of the names I just rattled off. And maybe some of them would have been like Scott Rowland, a second-round pick who went on to the Hall of Fame, or or Cody Bellinger, a third-round pick who got to win the Most Valuable Player Award. Maybe the Angels were the right fit for a talent like Mike Trout. Maybe one of those players who was playing for, who got drafted first or second or third, could have excelled if they were in the right program. I don't know. I, I'm when I don't the, the draft served a purpose, but the explosion of international talent and slot money has kind of made it. I don't know. It doesn't seem like it works. Doesn't seem like it's the right fit anymore. I would love them to do something like combine it with the College World Series. Because that's one of the reasons why the draft is such a dud on television. With the first pick in the draft, the Pirates draft Joe Bagadonis from Georgia Tech. How is Joe Bagadonis? I don't know. He looked good against other players. You all using an aluminum bat. All right. Well, here, here's your uniform, Joe Bagadonis. And I don't know. See you in three years. Might be Alex Rodriguez, might be Delman Young. I don't know. He might be Mark Capel, for God's sakes. But if you at least see who the people are, you know, if you in the College World Series, you're like, oh, I know who he is. I saw him. That's what makes the NBA draft and the NFL draft mean something. You actually see them play their college games, but again, they go right to the NBA, you know? LeBron didn't go from, you know, the, the, the high school he was at to the developmental league. He went to the Cavaliers. I don't have a comp in football. I haven't, I haven't followed football in decades. But I don't know. Maybe find a way to see if it's useful anymore. And emphasize, hey, yeah, I know the Yankees are more glamorous. I know the Dodgers are more glamorous. You have a clearer lane to the major leagues with us, and we've got the right coaches for you. Kind of like not every single great player in college football goes to the University of Florida. They already got a bunch of people there. Not every great basketball player goes to Duke. They're like, oh, geez, I actually get a chance to start if I go to the University of Ohio or wherever. I don't know. Do they even have a good basketball? I don't know. 
Has the draft finished its purpose? I don't know. Kind of seems that way. But we'll see. Everyone, this episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, let me just tell you something. Uh, You know, just being completely honest here. Sometimes life is unpredictable. Sometimes it's not fair. And sometimes the roadmap to your own personal happiness is, I don't know, curves and hits a few dead ends. You know, I've had to deal with a lot of moments over the last bunch of years. The death of my dad, uncertainty with my job health things here and uncertainty there and the path to deal with everything in life is not always clear and trying to find that path on your own isn't always the right thing to do therapy has helped me a lot in terms of navigating those rough waters it sometimes helped me articulate my worries sometimes challenge my preconceptions and many times it's just been helpful to get the concerns off my chest so if you're thinking about starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online. It's designed for your convenience to work around your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And then you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash for 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com, slash MLB. Uh, because I'm recording this one at the same time, uh, I don't have a brand new trivia question, but I'll, I'll repeat the one that I said the other day, which was, There have been five pitchers in Major League history who have thrown a no-hitter in both the American League and the National League, but only one of them is not in the Hall of Fame. Who is the only pitcher not in the Hall of Fame to throw a no-hitter in the American League and the National League? I'll give you one hint. It isn't Roger Clemens. It isn't a sort of like, well, he would be in the Hall of Fame. No, 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 no. This is someone who I don't think anyone is going to put on the Hall of Fame ballot. All right? No hitter in the American League and National League. So that's my uh, trivia question for today. Um, I wanted to read something that uh, I wrote on May 10th, 2011. I used to do articles for the Hardball Times about 10, 12 years ago. And I was going through some research to talk about the All-Star Game. And one of my Google searches led me back to an article that I wrote. And... This is stuff that I said, again, it's dated right here, May 10th, 2011. So this was more than 12 years ago I wrote this. And I believe almost everything about it is still valid. So if you will permit me, I'm going to read an article that I wrote for the Hardball Times. And it's a topic that I have talked about on this podcast. But some of the insights I had on this, on this particular topic I felt are worth repeating. The name of the article is Start the Season with the All-Star Game. And this is what I wrote back on May 10th, 2011. It's always a dangerous endeavor to alter the baseball tradition, but moving the All-Star Game from the middle of the season to the beginning of the year makes a lot of sense. 
The game itself can be a wonderful spectacle, and indeed, many of the recent games have been exciting affairs. The American League had a thrilling nine-inning comeback in 2006. The 15-inning 2008 Marathon Yankee Stadium was a classic, and last year's National League comeback was terrific as well. But the excitement around the game is faded. The voting process is faulty, and the entire enterprise operates on an assumption that may have been true 80 years ago, but need to evolve with the modern game. Before people start talking about the tradition of the All-Star Game, remember it was originally meant to be a one-game affair. The World's Fair of 1933 was being held in Chicago, and Chicago Tribune editor Arch Ward organized a game between the best American League and National League players to be held in Comiskey Park. The novelty was a huge hit. Nearly 50,000 packed the park, and many more listened to Pat Flanagan and Johnny O'Hara call the game on CBS Radio. The rosters included a galaxy of stars and future Hall of Famers like Lou Gehrig, Charlie Gehringer, Joe Cronin, Al Simmons, Lefty Grove, Bill Dickey, Jimmy Fox, Tony Lazeri, Earl Averill, Paul Wayner, Pie Trainer, Gabby Hartnett, Carl Hubble, Chuck Klein, Chuck Klein, Frankie Frisch, Bill Terry, and some guy named Babe Ruth who homered in that game. The American League and National League players never faced off unless it was the World Series. So the game allowed for those great hypothetical matchup of stars confronting each other come to life. And of course, the game provided a midway point of the season and gave some of the players a few days respite. For generations, with the reserve clause keeping many superstars entrenched with a single team for their entire career, there was a true division and animosity between the two leagues. However, over the years, the cross-pollinization by free agency and interleague play which creates a wonderful spark of excitement during late spring, early summer, makes the novelty stale. Want to see CC Sabathia stare down Albert Pujols? You mean like he did in the regular season a few years ago? Of course, the 2002 All-Star Game tie fiasco led to home field advantage of the World Series being the prize of the mid Classic. At the time, that was true, and I was a fan of it. It beat the old method, which was simply to alternate American League and National League home field every year. Ever wonder why the A's were a powerhouse in 1988 and the Dodgers were limping underdogs, but the Gibson game one homer was in L.A., but not Oakland? Ever wonder why teams like the 1927 Yankees, 1984 Tigers opened the World Series on the road or the 87 Twins had dome field advantage despite only having 85 wins? Well, that's because it was done every other year. At least home field being determined by all-star game gives some sort of excuse to such disparities. The game still has its appeals and its merit. Besides the game itself, there's a showcase of talent celebrating baseball's past heroes. Who could forget Ted Williams' grand entrance in 1999 or Willie Mays in 2007 or Stan Musial in 2009? And the introduction of the all-star roster along the baseline is one of my favorite moments of pageantry in all of sports. There are reasons to play the all-star game, but it should open the season. How does the season begin now? A random night game on ESPN? When the year I wrote this, 2011, it started on a Thursday. I didn't even realize it was opening day until a day or two before. Some years it began in Asia. The Red Sox began the 2008 season in defense of their World Series title in Tokyo. Most fans in Boston were sound asleep. How could a season begin with more of a whimper? Start with the All-Star Game. Have a celebration of baseball to begin the year. Have the season start with a spectacular show rather than an obscure random game. Unveil all the stars, some being seen wearing their new uniforms for the first time. And because no pitcher goes more than two innings anyway, there wouldn't be a great danger of wearing out arms at the beginning of the year. Learn something from football. 
which opens the season with a spectacular kickoff game. But unlike baseball, very few baseball games, unlike football, I mean, very few baseball games have national appeal. The All-Star game is one such game. So why bury it in the middle of the season? And it's also, let's talk about who's in the All-Star game. Questions about the voting and selection of All-Stars can be solved by having the game at the start of the season. The All-Star vote is going on in May for the game that was in Arizona that year. What criteria are people using to vote in early May? Who had the best April? Who had the best 2010? Should Jason Kubel be voted on as an elite player because he had a terrific April? Kubel might put up All-Star numbers for the whole year or could tail off. Remember Philly's pitcher Tyler Green? He was a former first-round pick and phenom in waiting. He never panned out, pitched in four different seasons, posting a losing record, a career ERA north of five. Yet he has all-star banner. He has the all-star banner on his baseball reference page. Why? Because the first half of 1995, he went eight and four with a 2.81 ERA and looked like a rookie of the year candidate. He crashed and burned going 0-5 the rest of the season and his ERA ballooned to 531. Just last year, the should Steven Strasburg be an all-star debate, kind of like the, the uh, De La Cruz debate now, was a hot topic. The novelty of a young fireballer facing American League opponents for the very first time was intriguing, but his selection would have looked foolish in retrospect as the season ended after only 12 games. Not only are players rewarded for good first halves, but other players are penalized for great second halves. Kirk Gibson was the National League MVP in 1988, but failed to be named to the All-Star Game, an honor given to Vance Law and Gerald Perry. Roger Clemens was the 1987 Cy Young Award winner, but was home fishing during the All-Star Game while Pat Tabler, Harold Reynolds, and Jay Howell took the trip to Oakland. The All-Star opener should have several guaranteed selections. The MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, Comeback Player, Silver Slugger winners of the previous year should all get an automatic invite. I would argue that the batting champ, home run champ, stolen base kick, and roll age winner would also be added as well. The practice of each team being represented should be continued. Of course, there were some more than questionable obligatory all-star selections over the year. Was there ever a more ridiculous all-star than Mark Redman in 2006? But remember, this is how the season starts. And each team should have an obligatory representative and hope for the season, even the Pirates. By starting the season with the All-Star Game, baseball creates a new avenue for off-season discussion. After automatic invitations, fans can vote for other spots of the roster between the end of the World Series and the start of spring training. Off-season baseball talk is good for the game, good for fans, and could lead to a buildup of excitement to the All-Star Game. The idea of all-star votes being tallied from the punch cards at the ballpark is even more day than the all-star game being played in midseason. Votes can be tabulated online. This they did fix. giving With MLB experts giving pros and cons for each candidate and daily updates for who has the most. Now, eliminating the all-star game would not necessarily mean ending the midseason respite for players. If the midseason break could be possible with the Hall of Fame induction, Right now, it happens while games are being played. Why not have it be the new midseason tradition? The game takes a break for a few days as the legends of baseball descend on a little town in New York where baseball was not invented. Perhaps some of the current players will be able to participate in the Cooperstown ceremony. Perhaps they can stage a home run derby with current stars and Hall of Famers. Maybe the current players could have a little break and we could continue to celebrate baseball. 
The All-Star Game was designed to give the sport a boost in the middle of the Great Depression. It worked perfectly well for that era when baseball was king and the main media were radio and newspapers. Now it must adapt to the internet, Twitter, and a more popular NFL. It's time to adapt again. Start the season with a star-studded showcase. It's worth a shot. I wrote that back in 2011. It's still true now. I hope the final day before the All-Star break was a lot of fun. And Miller Thomas and I will cover that during the All-Star break and give us some thoughts. So go to Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me on Sully Baseball on Twitter, as long as Twitter is still there. Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Talking about the dangers of the draft, fixing the All-Star game, and maybe eventually fixing my computer. This has been Locked On MLB for the 10th day of July, 2023. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.